0: Well, good evening, everybody. Now, your missions conference is yet to conclude, but for me tonight, this is the concluding evening. And I know one person is happy. That will be Lydia. (laughs) Tomorrow, I'm finally flying back to Malaysia, and she'll be waiting to receive me on Saturday morning at 8.50 a.m. in the morning. Let me thank you as a church for your warmth and fellowship. Many of you have become dear friends. I want to thank uh, those of you who have hosted me for lunch and taken me to places. Uh, some of you have taken me to new places and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for Steve and Eleanor and the family for the way they have uh, hosted me. I really feel at home. Okay, I only regret I didn't have enough time to spend with a dog. <laughs> this is nice, I was waving to him, hello, hello, you know. When I go out, every time he's barking, barking. I think he wants some attention as well. Now, the theme of your conference this year, the 41st World Missions Conference, if I may put it that way, is the urgency. And if you look again, it is in red. But although that is in red, I have begun... In a connected way with the combined class on Saturday or Sunday morning First, by answering the question, what is the Christian gospel? And it's important that we recover the biblical apostolic gospel Because very often, even in the churches today, in the modern church life, we have all kinds of gospel You have the liberal gospel, the social gospel You have the health and wealth gospel uh, over in, 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 in the Malaysia, Singapore today there, there is this gospel that uh, overplays on grace And undermines the place of law Some call it unbalanced grace Or extreme grace Alright, I won't elaborate on that uh, Some think that you don't have to think about missions; just reign in grace Come and worship God And everything will take care of itself So there are always different Tendencies uh, we need to return to the Bible. And when we look at the Scriptures, the answer to the question is that the Christian gospel, first, it has to be a biblical gospel. It must be Bible-based. The second thing about the Christian gospel is that it must be faithful to what the early apostles themselves and Jesus preached. Can I hear amen for that? It cannot be anything different from the apostolic gospel. And so when we Look at the apostles' preaching of the gospel in Acts four twelve. Uh, Peter himself declared that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Paul himself declared that the gospel that he preaches is not man-made; it is received, it is revealed, it is Christocentric. First Corinthians chapter fifteen verses three to five, he declared that which we received is not something he invented we pass on to you as our first importance that Christ Jesus died for our sins. And the proof that He died, that He was buried. There was a comment, He was buried. But it doesn't end there. It tells us that, and on the third day, He rose again according to the Scriptures. So any gospel other than that which the apostle preached is no gospel. Paul calls it a different gospel, which is no gospel. And as we saw in the Sunday morning class in Galatians chapter 1 Twice in chapter 1, he invokes a curse Very serious On anybody, including an angel That will carry a different gospel Other than that which he received and preached Are you with me? So it's very serious, even on church people You you cannot deviate from the biblical apostolic gospel And so the irreducible minimum In any mention of the word gospel is that we need to mention the vicarious substitutionary atonement of Christ on the cross. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So it's not come, bless me, gospel. It's not come because you have human needs and Christ can meet every need. That is true, but that's not a gospel. The gospel is that we are all hell bound sinners and in need of the atoning blood of Christ so that we can be justified by faith and justified. Through the work of the cross Alright, let me explain a little bit I'm not here to give you theology But in the atoning death of Christ Two things are achieved for us That we can benefit when we put our trust In the Lord and what He has done for us on the cross When Christ died for us The two aspects of the atonement is Number one, Christ made propitiation for our sins And by that word propitiation means the, the, The idea is that Christ turned away the wrath of God from us by taking the full wrath of God upon himself. He who knew no sin was made sin for us. Are you with me? So that in him we can be the righteousness of God. So all the language says that when we are Christians, we have the imputed, it's like wearing a cloth, a shirt. We have the imputed righteousness of God. So Christ propitiated by turning away God's wrath. In the church that I come from, as a young boy, we will sing hymns that, you know, uh, Jehovah, uh, you know, the the wrath of, of God fell on thee. Fell on Him because He became sin for us. That is the atonement. The propitiatory aspect of the atonement. Christ turned away the wrath of God from us. It should have fallen on each one of us. But He became our substitute. So there is this vicarious on behalf of somebody else, Substitutionary atonement of Christ On the cross Again I say Without the shedding of blood There is no remission of sins So any preaching of the gospel Must mention blood Even though it's not something We like to hear as moderns Second thing of the atonement Is that in this Christian gospel uh, In the atonement There is a second aspect In that Christ made expiation For our sins and the the idea is now he removed the guilt of sin from us. And so that we can come with a clean conscience, conscience before God and appear before him. Martin Luther, the great reformer, had a problem. How can I appear before the holy, mighty God? I don't feel that I'm worthy and good enough. But we understand the efficacy of the blood of Christ. Christ, when he died for us in the atoning death, on the one hand, turned away God's wrath. On the other hand, he... Remove the guilt of sin So that we can come and stand confident Not because of ourselves But because of what Christ has done for us on the cross Are you folks with me? So there are two aspects of the atonement That Christ achieved for us on the cross These are the benefits that flow to all Who will put their trust not in themselves It's not a do-it-yourself-work-righteousness religion It is done We receive it It's all of grace And that puts Christianity as a revealed faith Different from other revealed faiths like Islam Because other religions say You lack life Work for it The Christian faith says You have life It's given to you now Work from it Are you with me? And the contrast is absolute Other religions say Do it yourself Work it out. The Christian faith says, done. Receive it with gratitude and receive it by faith. And so our contrast, the message that we have is absolutely different from every other religion and faith in this world. Any other thing is no gospel. And so the death of Christ must be mentioned. And so the other thing that Paul said is that we have to make mention of the resurrection of Christ. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, without the resurrection, there's no hope. And he said, well, if Christ is not raised from the dead, we might well eat, drink, and be merry. We might well every day go yachting and uh, party around and make the best of whatever we have on earth. But Christ did rise from the dead. And so our gospel is Christ, God's Son, the second person of the Trinity, John 1.14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And as God's Son, He revealed God to us. No one has ever seen God, John the Apostle says in John's Gospel, in John's Prologue. Jesus, who is at the bosom of the Father, God's only Son, He has made Him known. He has revealed Him. In the Greek it says He has exegeted Him. I'm not here to give you all the theology, but the richness of the text. that He explained God to us. He revealed God to us. Christ, God's spokesman, the eternal Word has come. Christ has gone to the cross to die for our sins. Christ is risen from the dead, made His resurrection appearances. Christ is ascended, Acts chapter 1. And now Christ sits on the right hand of God the Father. He is not shaking legs, if I may say it reverently. The book of Hebrews tells us that Christ ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. Christ prays for his church, not just in John 17, but today he ever liveth as the, as the great high priest, making intercession for the saints, for you and for me, so that we will persevere to the very end. And Christ will come again as the Lord and judge, not just of the church, but of the whole universe. And so nobody can escape the Perfect justice of God That is the gospel that we have today That is the gospel, the Christian gospel That we are called to proclaim And then I move on to say That we need to defend the gospel Because in any age when The Christian church is present To to be a witness To be a testimony To the gospel There are always forces that are arrayed Against the gospel It was so in the first century church if you think you have a lot of things stacked against you, so did the first century church. They were in the Greco-Roman Empire. There were the pantheons of the Roman gods and the Greek gods. There were the gods of, of Isis and Serapis and whatnot, they came from the Mesopotamian region, what you call Eastern mysticism. The Romans would want people to acknowledge Caesar is Lord. But the Christian church says, no, Jesus is Lord. And it is for this reason. Primarily for this reason that the early church is persecuted. The height of which is during the time of Emperor Nero. And those of you who have been to Rome, you've probably gone to visit the catacombs. Anybody been to Rome? Alright. And you hear stories of the catacomb and how the Christians had to hide and literally celebrate the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper in the catacombs and some of them were literally butchered and murdered in the catacombs itself. Alright. So persecution is not a new thing for the 21st century church. It began in the early church. It began, in fact, in the life of the Apostle Paul himself imprisonment, flogging. He had to be lowered in a basket to escape the fury of the Jews that he's trying to reach out with the gospel. And so we proclaim that Jesus is Lord. That is the Christian gospel. We have to defend the gospel, the biblical gospel, the Christian gospel in our time. All right. And I gave you all the isms that are arrayed against the gospel we can talk about secularism today is a rising force where there's no god we can talk about liberalism that just preaches a social gospel just love people and do good that's good enough on that record you get there are you folks with me we have to say no this is not the gospel that the apostle paul preached this is not a gospel that the apostle peter preached we we talk about the onslaught of even people who are not committed agnosticism Well. I'm not sure if there is a God. I'm not saying there is no God. I'm not an atheist. But really, even even if it's there, I I, I cannot be absolutely sure. That's agnosticism. Uh, We talk about skepticism. People are skeptical now. Uh, Today, to be frank, uh, there may be a lot of people who are skeptical of the Roman Catholic Church because of the record that they have. Are you with me? And so there are many forces that are arrayed. Against the church We have to defend the gospel Today even in the Christian church People are confused Some people, even leaders of church Have come and talked to me and said You know, actually we Christians, Jews and Muslims All of us are addressing the same God We're just using different names Oh, I was shocked As the deacon of my church Talking to me like that I say, is that so? I say, you know The Christian faith is not just about the Old Testament alone I don't want to go into arguments or etymology and words, Yahweh, El, and all that kind of stuff with you. Similar Semitic roots, you know. But the the Christian faith is also about the New Testament. Can I hear amen for that? And so I say, you take out Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And you tell me, if the Muslims and the, the Jews are able to acknowledge that the person, the God that we speak to in prayer... Is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? That's the address of Paul, the apostle in Ephesians one three. Praise be to God, Ephesians one three. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Are you with me? That's the Christian God that we address. If the Jews and the Muslims say, "Yeah, yeah, he's the Father of Lord Jesus Christ," and I say, "Amen." That's the same person we're talking about. They will never say yes to that. Are you with me? So the, the way really to, to try and sort things out today when there's so much confusion is we always apply the test of Christ. Alright? The gospel that we preach is a Christocentric gospel. It is a Christ-centered gospel. There is no gospel without Christ. Alright? I don't want to... Believer the point. Let me quickly now go to the urgency, which is a theme that you gave to me to address. Why the urgency then to proclaim this, reveal, receive apostolic, biblical, Christ-centered gospel? Firstly, because the world is lost without this gospel. There is a hell line. I can't give the statistics, but every second that you sit there, thousands of people are going to a Christless grave. So I have tried to argue that in the work of the gospel. There is no such thing that we are going too fast. We can only go too slow. Are you with me? If you understand uh, the, the, the whole horror of people going to a crisis, eternity. Please, after you leave, go around, look at Bahamas. I, I've tried to tell don't look at the waters every day. Just look at the people. The people, even you have 350,000 on these islands that are going to hell without Christ. And so the church cannot be too fast. We can only be too slow. And having done all that we can, we can say, we haven't done enough for the Master. and That's my attitude. I always feel that I'm standing at the beginning. So what if 40,000 have come to Christ? So what if I've given to the ministry and to all your partnership, 1.5 million gospel tracks? So what if 13,000 people are baptized? So what if 10,000 Bibles are given? Of course we don't decry all these things. We thank God. We thank God for what has been done. But oh, so much more needs to be done. And so I have tried to place upon you the burden of Asia just in the rurals of Asia. We need food evangelists because 2 billion people need to hear of Christ. And so our ministry is very focused. The primary aim is a gospel tract for a non-believer, a Bible for a new believer. So whatever else we want to do is fine. Social concerns, building this and that and different means of reaching the gospel. But there must be a gospel implication and application to every and other Christian ministry. Because in other words, we as a church believe, I use the word now, in the primacy of the gospel. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. That should be half the reason why we are around and why the Lord is not coming back. This gospel of the kingdom must first be preached as a testimony to all nations, Matthew twenty-four, fourteen, and then the end will come. So I first suggest to you there's a positive side in the work of the gospel, that in advancing the gospel where we are, and so, God give us sanctified imagination, passion, ambition, to get this gospel out. So, I try to share with you. I am changing my mind. I am not thinking addition. I am not thinking multiplication. I'm asking God. I'm asking God, the Spirit, to help me to think exponential growth. Maybe there's more mathematical formula e to the power n. So, those of you who were here on the Tuesday night, you saw a little bit of what happened when we tried to just do it with a few about. Five, six evangelists in the office preaching around the region. Every year we get maybe 120, 150 people come to know Christ. Praise God. But hey, what about the 2 billion? Hey, what about other parts of the world? And when we found that, we begin to go back to the scriptures. Luke 10.2. The solution for world evangelization. The Lord gave it a long time ago. The harvest is plentiful. Laborers are few. What is the solution? It's not fundraising first. You pray to the Lord of the Harvest. He knows what to do. Why don't you pray to Him? Beseech, implore, pray. What will the Lord of the Harvest do when we do do our part as we begin to pray? He will send forth. And I gave you the Greek word. The word send forth is not the word apostoleo, from which you get apostolos, uh, in the sense of apostolic sending, as you would send a a Joseph, Wilney Joseph or, or Phyllis Newby. I'm just looking at the names. You know, in in the book here, I have tried to acknowledge you and your place in gospel advance in Asia Pacific and beyond. Uh, There's a page here, I can remind, I can give you the names of all the missionaries because I've taken note of all your stuff. Uh, You know, and uh, let me me read to you, uh, just to refresh you. 2008, thank you. You invited me, I was here. We had a theme in this church, March 2nd to 9th, Proclaiming Release to the Captives. How many of you were here in 2008 when my wife was here? We sang, there's a picture of her singing behind. Alright, God willing, through some divine act, I'll bring her here. It's so difficult because we need a miracle. The visa problem again. Alright, and uh, well, who are here? Here uh, at this missions conference, about 500 people participated at the missions conference of Calvary Bible Church. If you remember, missionaries who spoke here include, uh, wow, there was Sean Lytton. How many remember him from International Justice Mission? We were talking about human slavery and spiritual slavery. And then there was Dr. Sandy Lee from UIM. There was Phyllis Newby from Haiti. Richard, I hope I got your ma- wife's name correct. Is it Andrea? Andrea Albery from Camp Bahamas. Patrick and Mona Lisa Rutherford. This is a joy of memory from Precept Ministries. Can you remember that? And Pastor Wilnie Joseph from Haitian Ministry. All right, it's all here. Two pages, you know, almost. (laughs) On just the church involvement in the gospel. So thank you for the partnership in the gospel. And the way we're going to speed up the race for the gospel is to do it together. We can never do it alone. Do it, bring others along, as many along as possible. And let's do it together. Uh, there is synergistic effect in that work. All right, I'm not sure if I illustrated to you the power of synergistic effect. Now, this is scientifically researched. I was at Rome in an international conference in Rome. That's where I met Pastor Rex Major. Scientists have researched that uh, one horse can pull one ton. Let's say you put a this horsepower, you know, <clears throat> you can pull one ton. Another horse left alone. Boom! He can pull another ton. But if you were to harness the two horses together, we, which on their own, left on their own, can only do one ton and no more, and then you say, wait, 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 hold it, don't do it individually, I want you to do it simultaneously. When I say, go, and see if the horse would understand you, you pull. And the two horses now, you harness them together, their energies... On their own Each alone Can pull one ton Two horses Harnessed together And then you say Pull Alright, I'll give you A quiz tonight To keep everybody awake How many tons Do you think These two horses Pulling together Can pull the load Want to make a guess Any educated guess around Shout some numbers out for me Two, four, no Any more Three, no Five, no Some more Ten, no Six, no Some more Twelve also know some How many? 500. 500. Wow, you believe in miracles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, the scientific research is this. Now this is scientifically recorded. Huh? Let me give you, that's the law of science of synergy. I give you the answer. 22 tons. Is that a lot? One alone, one ton. One alone, one ton. Pull together is 22 tons. So one way I think, uh, I'm a science man as well That we're going to finish the work Is to work on synergistic partnerships in missions So thank you Some of you have responded to the message Some of you literally take the word one dollar And you gave me the one dollar Thank you, it's received It will translate to about uh, three quarters of a Bible Or maybe one, depending on the version in China Others of you uh, are not literalistic You have come with 100, 150, 200 by the way, Steve, I've got a lot of Bahamian dollars now is in this envelope. Could you please change for me? <laughs> so I could change it to, you know, American and quickly get it changed. And God willing, within two to three months, the Bibles will be in the hands of the rural new believers in China. So thank you on behalf of the rural saints in China. Alright, they cannot come here to thank you. On their behalf, I would like to thank you. So there's a speed race for the gospel. If we don't go out and take the claim for Christ, can I say, being in the Bahamas... Or be it elsewhere in the world, others will. So i tried to share with you a case in point in the jungles of Sarawak today, the tribal people. You've got 600,000 Iban people. Many of them in long houses waiting to hear evangelists, the new generation. You don't send evangelists, others will. The Malaysian church got the message. When we started the work in 2009, we could only support one. How about that? By 2011, we were already supporting 58 in two years' time. Is that a lot? They got a message. Says, "On this generation, you're not going to do it." I don't know. We have to answer to God. If all these steps are reached by Muslims, by Islamic teachers. All right. We have the workers. East Malaysia doesn't have the money. West Malaysia has the money. Let's match resources. Let's do it together. Synergistic. And can I report to you, we are seeing hundreds of people converted, an entire long house coming to Christ, 20, 30 families coming to Christ through the preaching of the gospel. And so there's a speed race for the gospel. The third reason why we need to be urgent is that there is a spiritual decline in the West. And, you know, there's no vacuum there because that vacuum is being filled by magic, witchcraft. I try to share with you that the former Reformation countries and capitals of the West that we admire Germany, Switzerland, including United Kingdom. Averagely, it's about 70 to 90 percent are nominal Christians. That means they are Christians in name only. They might just show up on Christmas Day and nothing more. And then there is Eastern mysticism. There is Islam that's trying to Islamize the whole of Western Europe today. There is, of course, the rise also of secularism. So if we do not go and re-engage with the West, and the watchword is, when there's a decline, we work on re-evangelization. The Roman Catholics call it new evangelization. For us, as Protestants say, we want to re-evangelize Europe for Christ. So the way to begin is, it's an expensive business. In the country that I come from, our ringgit is as good as one-fifth of the euro dollar. So you can calculate that. If you need to support a missionary be 1,000 euro, you could raise $5,000. <laughs> this will keep him in Europe. But there are other ways. I'm sure the Lord will open ways to businessmen and business routes and other things into Europe. By the way, Malaysian churches are already planting churches in England. Malaysian churches, when I go to, to Melbourne, I've been asked to take a prayer meeting. Probably it will become a church by the time I arrive in July. i already planting churches in Melbourne, Australia. So we are on a move. And I'm encouraging the Bahamians to be on a move, especially through your business people. Uh, Don't just go and do business. Try and do business for the gospel as well. As you go along, see what you can do. Bring Bibles along. If you are a guy who got a lot of money, like some Malaysian tycoons, buy hotels, try and dedicate one or two rooms for missionaries to stay for free. Are you with me? Okay. There are many things that we can do and host missions and missionaries and all. And that's the way to go. Fourth reason why we need to speed up The work of the gospel and the urgency is because in the east, in Asia in particular, in Africa, south of the Sahara, in Latin America, there is fire. The church is on the move. There is a lot of growers. Tomorrow when you wake up, I can't give you the exact number, at least there will be 20,000 new believers in mainland China every day when you wake up. Is that a lot? Every day. So you can play with a calculator and multiply one year, how many new believers come into China? That's happening. Alright, there's spiritual vitality. So I don't know how many times you nice people, wonderful people meet for prayer. I'm not making you feel guilty because I don't even live up to their standards. You see the two ladies that appear on the screen. They come from about one hour's right from my wife's place in Harpin. Very cold area in China, Harpin. You could have a, a winter Olympics there, you know. It's very cold. I give you an idea how cold it is. Uh, is minus 32 to minus 36 cold. Okay. When I first went there to propose to my wife, they gave me extra two pairs of trousers to wear. They said, you Malaysian, come here. You can't live like that. Wear a woolly, wear another one. And now your nice trousers say, so you want to show people, okay, you can wear outside. <laughs> I got to wear all these scarves and cover my ear. No other to get ear bite. I got bites, all red color. Alright. That church started with uh, a mother... They left the three-self church because the three-self church, they say is not real for them. They, are, they can pray the Lord's Prayer, but they cannot go to another area. You just stay like a mainline church, territorial, you cannot go there. You can pray, but you cannot go. What's the point of praying if I cannot go? And so they felt, we, we go by faith. We don't want your money. You know, they are trained. We, we don't want, we, we're going there to pioneer the work. So a praying mother and two daughters started to lead the church of several hundreds. We are supporting 25 evangelists. They are sending people out to the rural areas. This church, because many of them are farmers, do do you know what time they begin their prayer meeting? 3 a.m. in the morning. How do you like to be a member of a church that prays at 3 a.m.? Do you know how many times they meet every week to pray like that? 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. before they go and milk the cow and attend to the fields and whatnot? Seven days a week. How do you like to belong to a church where it has, it has seven days a week prayer meeting? Don't talk about Bible study, other things. That's another matter. Just prayer, prayer meeting. Two hours every day, 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. No matter God is blessing the church. So that's spiritual vitality. I'm just giving an example uh, in, in China. The fifth reason I gave to you for the urgency of the gospel today in our world is that God is opening up. New windows of opportunities So I shared, I believe yesterday night That the cross-cultural missions is at your doorstep It's already in Malaysia Today in Malaysia, we have a new organisation just being registered and set up It's called MMM Migrant Ministries Malaysia Plenty of ministries to churches Sometimes they need resources Where can I get Nepali tracks? Where can I get Bangladeshi tracks? Where can I get the Myanmar tracks? You call up the number, they have some booklets and some stuff for you for follow-up and everything and all. Uh, okay? So these are windows of opportunities. I tried to share with you that when God opens to us windows of opportunities, we need to seize that opportunity. Andrea, seize the moment. Yes. So World War II is an example. At the end of World War II, at the surrender of the Japanese, remember what I said? At the signing of the surrender... A request was made by the Fledgling Church of Japan, 1945. Send us a thousand missionaries. The states couldn't respond. Less than a hundred, I don't know how many went. Forgotten the figure. Would the church in Japan and the Christianity in Japan have been different if that window of opportunity had been seized by the church for the glory of God? And so today, don't don't worry about them, it's history now is over, but let's learn from it. Today, God is sending. Migrant people to the shores of the Bahamas. So I'm thankful that one of you say that I'm thankful for your preaching now. Now I'm looking at Chinese people differently. They are not just coming here to take over the Bahamas and making us angry and fearful. Right? Uh, uh, but but I'm going to see that they are coming here to receive the gospel. And we can give them the gospel. Uh, we talk about businessmen who who see themselves as using business to promote world missions, Uh, pray for me. In uh, April, my wife and I, my wife has about one week break because of Easter holidays. We're going to Singapore. One of my former classmates and a few classmates are involved in business. And they say, we would like to fund missions. Your kind of work. They read my book through our business. And they are hoping to raise anything from 50 to support 50 to 100 new evangelists, primarily in China. Are you with me? See, we're business people. We want to tithe for missions. And we believe in this work. And we want to sow towards rural China. Okay. Uh, The third thing I said, uh, windows of opportunities yesterday evening, is there's increasing end-time natural disasters. As you read Jesus' Olivet Discourse on uh, Matthew 24 and Mark 13. You good people are still listening. Wonderful. Are you happy if I finish my 9.15 today? Can I have a show of hands? If you're not happy, it's okay. I'm off on a plane tomorrow. You can complain to your pastor, alright? <laughs> now nah, I'm just joking with you. Alright, give me a little bit of time. I have travelled a long time, so you've got to give me grace time. Uh, I have just spent 2-3 three, two, three, two, three days sleeping just to get out of this jet lag after all these travels and long waits, you know? So you, you need to uh, not begrudge me extra 15 minutes I'm taking from you for tonight. Okay. So... Uh, this opened new windows of opportunities. Remember, I shared with you about a simple case like the, the, the Cyclone Nagis in, the, in Myanmar. How the uh, Buddhist stronghold villages along the Irrawaddy Delta, they were broken uh, because they needed water, they needed help. And the church went in to love them, built toilets for them, put up tents for them, brought in water purification tablets, cooking oil, utensils. I saw them packing bags of rice and the whole thing and because of the practical love children have come to christ buddhist monks have come to christ and some of these places now churches have been set up and all can we give god a hand for these things all right all right i'm going to use my next 15 to 20 minutes just to deal with the last part today the concluding session today now all right i've given you a summary in a very quick way the local church in advancing the gospel Can you please turn to the book of Acts? I don't have time to read through the entire passage. I will just point to the relevant verses. Keep your finger in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 30. And also keep your fingers at Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 4. Tonight, I just want to say that the local church is God's primary agent in fulfilling God's redemptive purpose in the world. It was so then it is still so now and it will be so until the lord comes again all right read the book of ephesians turn to ephesians and look at the last verse of chapter 1 i believe it's ephesians chapter 1 verse 30 or sorry verse 22 and 23 after Paul spelled out all the spiritual blessings That the church experiences in Christ In the heavenly places I ask you to read through Ephesians 1 verses 3 as In particular, right up to verse 14 And see how many spiritual blessings That believers have in Christ And now Paul concludes this chapter in verse 22 And says, and God placed all things under His feet All right? putting things in the universe back in the original order again when Christ comes again and appointed Him. Him is Christ to be the head over everything. Now not everybody acknowledges Christ as the head. I'm ashamed to it. sometimes even the church doesn't acknowledge Him as the head. They think somebody else is the head, not Christ. For the church. Do you see the church there? And the whole purpose of the redemptive purpose is that Christ is going to be hid over everything for the church which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. The church is, the local church is God's primary agent in fulfilling God's redemptive purpose then, now, and for the future. And that's why, you know, in our work, we always work with and through the local church. We never, ever bypass the local church no matter how tempting it is. So I will never allow the organisation to say, if somebody, I give you a million, brother, why don't you just go ahead and do what you want and quickly get anybody in China who wants to do the work. No, no, no. (laughs) no. We'd rather be slower and more biblical and do it properly. We'd rather go to the church and and make sure that uh, the church has the confidence to commission, command, send this brother. And the primary accountability of all our workers is to the local church. Through the local church. Alright, that's the X13 model. Okay, there are five things tonight in conclusion. How we as a local church, there are many more in in this chapter, wonderful chapters, how we as a local church can increase exponentially. You got that word? In the advance of the gospel. I want to share these five things very briefly with you now. Number one, as we look at the church in Antioch, the Antioch church is often known as what you call a missions church. Uh, when you talk to Singaporeans, how many of you have been to Singapore? When you talk to Singaporeans, they say, we are an Antioch church. Right? There's a self-professed identity and that we are Antioch nation. Alright? We are First World Nation. We are Antioch. Uh, the largest independent church movement in Malaysia happened during the revival. And in the city alone today, there are more than 8,000 people. But you add the country and all the people come under their covering or umbrella, uh, they would easily go into the 15,000 or 14,000. Is that a lot? Not too bad huh? for a church in Malaysia. Very recent. The elder of the church at that time, the, the primary uh, founder of the church, the vision at first was just, we just want to be a city church. After all, you know, Kuala Lumpur is already so many million people. And it's good enough for us. And sometimes in the Bahamas, we are tempted to be like that. Let's go to Eleuthera. Let's go to I don't know your name island. And that's good enough for us. And they were happily kind of plodding along in in this zone until the Lord began to speak to many of the members and they started sending their own missionaries out. At that time, when I knew about it, they were already as a single church that is growing, supporting well over 62 or 72 missionaries. Is that a lot? From their own, you know, sending out. So these elders said, I think I should visit my own church missionaries and find out how, how things are doing. So he went to the Middle East. Uh, he went to Thailand. He went to Vietnam. You know, it's like a tour, pastoral visit, yeah? How are you doing, guys? You know, what do you need? And uh, during his ministry visit or missionary visit to so many countries in Asia and the Middle East, the Lord began to open his eyes almost tell him you cannot just be a city church are you with me you need to be a global church and so he came back fully convicted of the lord his elder for the church and said from now on we are not going to be a city church the needs out there frankly is greater than the needs here we may think we got a lot of needs here in kuala Lumpur, just like sometimes you may be tempted. Hey, we got a lot of needs here in the bahamas but the needs are greater out there. I'm glad I spoke to one of you brothers who have been to Vietnam, other places. brother. I've not been to Vietnam, but God willing, but by next year we hope to start a work with three evangelists in rural Vietnam. But definitely this year we're going to support three evangelists in rural Thailand. That will be our 11th country. Vietnam should be our 12th country. It's on the way. Uh, those of you who have been to Asia, I don't have to convince you of the need. Not just the, the spiritual need but the physical needs. Amen, brother? Physical needs of the place. You know it. And so this elder came back and said, from now on, we are going to be an Antioch church. We use the term. We're going to be a missions church. We just can't just... It's not good enough to be a city church. It's good, but not good enough. Because really, the needs are far greater out there than we imagine of our own local needs. Alright. So, the church in Antioch, what are the things we can learn? Number one, very quickly. The church in Antioch is open to change. Up until then, the church is exclusively, almost, up until Acts 11, the church, the early church, is exclusively Jewish. But because of Acts 8 and persecution, and I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that, you know, you can plan all you want in missions, conferences, board meetings, and everything. At the end of the day, we have to do what we can, but we need to understand that world missions, at the end of the day, is under the sovereign hand of God. Do I get an amen for that? And we as a church uh, shouldn't sometimes just go with naked statistics, you know. Uh, I even tell some godly leaders, I say, I don't agree with your argument. They say, why are people going to Africa from Malaysia? Why are people going to Europe? Why are people going everywhere? And why are they not taking the train to Thailand, which is very near to Kuala Lumpur? You know what I'm trying to say? It's more cost-effective. I say, I don't mean to be disrespectful. You are not a missionary. You don't understand missionary heart. You understand? I, have, I find it hard to go into my own jungles. But I got no problem going to Tibet, to Bhutan. So why am I doing this? Because it's my heart. That's the missionary heart. And if you understand missions and missionary heart, the whole business argument, business model of mission, which is cost-effectiveness alone, is not the final argument. Are you folks with me or not? It is what the Spirit wants. It's how the Spirit leads that matters. So I have not left Malaysia. I've got plenty of offers in other place. Today, if I make a call six months, I'll be a PR in Sydney. I've been asked to be... My wife was shocked when, when, when a year and a half or so, we went to Sydney to speak in a church. I just met his brother and on the, on the spot, he, hardly, he may have heard something. Of my, he said, brother, are you serious about... You want to be my senior pastor? I put in an application for PR for you. Six months time, you can come and make a home here. I look at my wife and say, Thank you very much. I may be busy for a mission conference, but I don't have a calling for Sydney. I got no quarrels with Australia, nice weather and bungalow house, what have you, but that's not my calling. And so, you need to understand that God calls people differently. Only a Richard can do a Camp Bahamas. Not everybody can hack it out there like that. Okay? And I would say you don't pay him money, he'll probably find some way to survive as well. Because there's a sense of calling. This is where God has called me. And so they were open to change. Why? Because for the first time, we were told in Acts chapter 11, verse 19, that some of the Jews, in verse 19, Despite the persecution, all of them were just telling the message only to Jews. The gospel has yet to cross what you call an ethnic boundary. Cross-cultural evangelism has yet to take place. But now, without consultation from the brethren in Jerusalem and the leadership, some of these Jewish believers, some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks. Can you underline the word? Also. So, only and also is very important in missions. There's a plan of God. You know why? Because in Acts 1, it already said, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in what? Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, or the uttermost parts of the earth. That's why the Holy Spirit is given. Alright, it's a very confusing thing and very important things in the church. Satan tries to confuse us about the role of the Holy Spirit. Let me just say that the Holy Spirit is given to the church so that we can be powerful, effective witnesses. That is a primary purpose. It's not even given to you primarily to give you a feel good factor. I feel good. Are you folks with me? That's the primary purpose why the Spirit is given. So that we can be powerful, effective, Witnesses for Christ as a church. They were open to change. There was cross-cultural evangelism taking place. Isn't it humbling? Without the permission of the Jerusalem brethren. They didn't ask Peter James, Can we do it? They just did it. And so, for a church today to do well in missions, we need to be open to change. We don't change biblical principles. We don't change the content of the message. But we change the way we apply the message to each generation, to each culture. Are you folks with me? We don't change principles. We don't change content. We are not at liberty to change the content of the gospel. But we are at liberty to change the way, the style, and how we communicate that message to each generation. So we need to be open to change. Let me share a testimony very quickly. Time passed very fast. You know, I have strict policies in my own work. No, no, no. All the money you give me, I assure you, all your money will go to the Chinese Bible, okay? <laughs> Whatever you give me. But I would say, you know, we are Evangelistic Fellowship. We we are not in the church helping people to build a church or toilet or something. But then came the, the Cyclone. Then came the Sichuan Escape. Then came the Typhoon Kazana in the Philippines. And we have evangelists working there. I say, is God trying to say something to me? Is it the right thing to do that people go and chase for spiritual laws Because that's all we give them, tracts and all, when they need food. I say, that's not Jesus' way. He first fed the hungry, amen, before He gave them the Word. So I need to be more like Jesus, even though we are eventually organized. So I say, hold it, guys! I'm calling out to the churches in Malaysia and some places. We are taking a collection. We got the first 32,000 and sent it to, to Sichuan. Alright guys, buy tents, buy whatever you want. Just please be accountable and tell us what you buy. Alright, we're going to send you portions of the money. And so now the policy of MAP is uh, we are open to change. Okay, I said, we are not a social concerns organization. I got no argument with social concerns. Don't get me wrong. Alright, but God has not called MAP to be a, 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 a like a you know social concern alone, mainly. He uses the money that way. That's fine, praise God for that. But our calling is to be... The speediest evangelization of Asia Pacific and beyond. Tracting, sharing the gospel by foot, giving people a Bible, follow-through, local church and all that kind of stuff. So then I told about, okay, I think we have to change. These are end times. Disasters happen. Our evangelists are there. They are poor. They don't have money. We now have to equip them, empower them with money to buy stuff, drinks, tents, building toilets, whatever, when people are suffering so that... They have credibility When they share the gospel They can't just be hiding In their houses And when everything is over Now they come and share the gospel I think the people Have everywhere Throw stones at them Where were you When we need water Give us a physical water first Before you talk about A spiritual water And so our policy has changed Whenever And wherever Reap evangelists Of mad work. We will empower them If they are natural disasters To first do Relief work before they share the gospel. So that was a modification. So I'm open to change. God is teaching me, even as a, a leader of an organization. But only to our evangelists. Uh, we don't exist mainly to use the money for social concern. Are you with me? Can you please hear me clearly? I am not against social concern. Can I say it again? Okay, but this is not what Matt has called, is called by God to do. Alright? I, I need to hear you clearly so I don't offend any brethren here. As if what you are doing is not important. We affirm what you are doing. But I hope that along with social concern, you will have a lot of evangelistic fruit for Christ. Can I hear amen for that? Amen. Amen. So be open for change. God loves fat Christians and fat churches. Fat is an acronym. F for flexible. Be flexible. Don't be too stiff. The end times is such that none of us can be too stiff. A huge organisation called Open Doors. They were at that time ministering and primarily getting Bibles into what you call the Iron Curtain. Those were the days when in our maps we have a a big block, a big communist chunk called the USSR. Are you with me? Union of Soviet Socialist Republic. It's so long I can't even pronounce it now. But try and look at the map today. Is it still there? It's no more there. it's already democratic. So they actually shifted their ministry primarily to minister to Christians suffering in Muslim-majority lands. You know, that kind of thing. So sometimes uh, things change, and so we have to change. The second thing we learn about powerful missions trust and gospel trust is churches and Christians must be open to faith. And so when this thing happened, they sent Barnabas. We have thought that Barnabas was a good man full of the Holy Spirit, verse 24, and faith. I don't know how you want to explain this verse. And then Luke tells us, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And so the faith principle must continue to operate in missions. We go first. If God has called, I live by the slogan that God's work done in God's ways will never lack God's resources. Can I hear an amen for that? So you don't wait for 100% support before you begin a work. We began a ministry of MAP, you know, with four full-time workers. Four workers started an office. You know how much we started the seed fund? Only 11,000 ringgit. But the Lord provided. First year, we had to spend about 50,000 to get everything going. Salary, office, overheads, electricity, air con. Every year the budget increases. Today we are operating at more than 1 million over budget. 75% of the the money goes to the people working on the field. Are you with me? We only use about 16% or so. Some of you can come and get this from me. I've got a lot of these reports. and statistics inside here. You can come. Only about 15% or so is for administration. We try to keep it very low so that it will help to cheer the workers on the field. So pray for us. It needs to be open to faith. Faith means we must be willing to take risks. I'll share a story. In China, we took risks. I couldn't go in now and minister to the house churches. I'm sending other workers now. Because 2008, something happened. They found me out. I was ministering in house churches. City to city, they were following me. 24 hours, three shifts a day. They will never let me out of their sight. I was in the... In a town with the house of a few hundred people, they flashlights at me. I go back and stay up in the apartment. They will tell me, we are watching you. 2 a.m., I look behind. Two men are always pacing up and down from my apartment. And they are in a dangerous house church. After I left, they say, this guy has been to Tibet. He, on his passport, he has also been to America. We think he's a troublemaker. He's anti-Chinese, you know what I'm trying to say. He's pro-Tibetan. He may be here to stir up a riot. So we're following him. And they told the church, uh, you know, what are you doing with outsider? I think we're going to come and bulldoze down your church. I was so worried about this church. the a that they have. A few months later, we call back, so sister, how's your church doing? Praise God, we're still around. So I say, what happened? I thought they want to come and bulldoze your church. Well, we prayed about it. The Chinese church said, we, we are nobody. we got no lawyers. we got no money. We prayed about it. We are rural people. And God gave us wisdom. So I said, what do you do? Well, God said, send your oldest grandmother believers, go and talk to them. So they sent the old, two, three old ladies and talk to them. I said, what did the old sisters tell them? The old sisters told the authorities, you know, last time, we are doing nothing wrong. We are just worshipping God. You people are just doing everything wrong, preventing us from worshipping God. The last time your people came to tear down one of our other church, remember? They met with an accident and died. Remind them. And we are telling you that you you down our church again, don't be surprised. Our God will cause some of you to die in a horrible car accident again. <laughs> they got scared. Nobody dared to move. And, uh, and the church remained. And that's exactly what they said. And so praise God, they got wisdom, you know. I say we, we are just telling you nicely, this is a house of worship. Don't mark around with God. <laughs> okay? And so these this chaps got scared, you know, even though they got power. We're not coming. We're not coming this round. Nobody wants to come and pull down that church. So we need to take risks today for God. The third thing I've, uh, I've already said yesterday evening, they were open to need. When there was a severe famine, everybody got involved. Each person got involved. So I'm glad you got a message Don't despise the Bahamian dollar The fourth thing, very quickly This church, Acts chapter 13 Is open to dynamic worship and prayer You know, brothers and sisters God speaks to us today through the word And sometimes in the context of prayer God just speaks to us In Acts chapter 13, we were told that Verse 2, while the church in Antioch The leaders and the church They were worshipping the Lord and fasting We presume there's prayer involved as well The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul For the work to which I have called them One of the best ambience for us to hear from the Lord Is always in the context of prayer that we are coming before Him Lord, I need to hear from you Let me give a personal testimony As somebody who is a believer for more than 45 years I don't find that God plays hide and seek with his people. If you really want to pursue him and know his will, he will let you know it. Amen. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Yeah. So how can light play hide and seek with you? When you go and approach the light, the pure light, God will reveal things to you. It's just that some of us are so afraid to come near. Maybe He'll tell me something I don't like to do, I don't want to do, so I better be comfortable where I am. Don't get too close to God. It can be pretty dangerous. He will spoil my life or my likings in life. Then you don't understand the will of God. Take down Romans chapter 12 verse 2. After Paul talking about we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that you can what? Proof for yourself. The perfect, good, acceptable will of God. That's why I say you need to will the will of God for your life. You need to run towards it. You need to... Sorry. You need to embrace it. I'm getting excited now. You need to embrace it. Not just shake hands with it. Embrace it. Don't let it go. Because the will of God is good, perfect, and acceptable. When man works, man works. When man prays, God works. Think about that. Prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer does the almost impossible things before our very eyes. And if you are a man or a woman of prayer, many times over and over again, you will find that God will perform, can I use the word in the word of God? Miracles in your life. Miracles in your life. The final one, the fifth thing we can learn about the local church in Antioch in advancing the gospel. Number one, be open to change. Be open to take risks, live a life of faith. Continue to challenge yourself, to trust in God. Be open to needs. Don't just close your heart. Learn to see that every need is a challenge and an opportunity. The fourth thing is be open to prayer. Learn to develop a prayer life, prayerful life. The fifth thing is, the final one is learn to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Alright, I want to share one story, with that I close. Thank you very much, you have been very patient. I have exceeded my quota. Alright, so thank you for being so gracious. I wrote a chapter in this book, chapter 7, about advancing the gospel called, Keep in Step with the Spirit. I remember that one of the evenings I started, I think Monday I gave you Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so, let me share with you an incident. Sometimes people ask me, frankly, I don't know where to start. Asia has 50 countries. I don't have to think about China, and I think about India, so I get a headache already. Are you with me or not? Where to start? (laughs) I mean, so many places, I don't know what to do. So, I, I have learned, start by praying. And one of the prayers that God always put on my heart is, pray Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. Would you like to put that in your Bible? Colossians chapter 4 verse 3 Where the Apostle Paul writing from prison says And pray for us That God will open a door For us to proclaim the gospel Clearly as we should Are you with me? Alright, no time to give you prayer Maybe another time should the Lord leave me back here And I, I want to teach a bit more on prayer but, but let me tonight just say Keep in set with the Spirit In 1999, I share a testimony in this book now Chapter 7 Keep in with it In 1999, I was lecturing on evangelism to the local church in the Malaysia Baptist Theological Seminary in Penang. It's an island up in the north, Malaysia. On the very first lecture, in fact, I still remember the topic of the lecture, the definition of evangelism. You know, I'm teaching a course in a seminary. I felt I had to share the burden God had placed on my heart for Bhutan. Don't ask me, I don't even know where Bhutan is. But I, I begin to pray for Buddhist countries and Buddhist strongholds. The Lord always somehow take my prayer to Bhutan. Oh, I pray for the Bhutan. So I say, I better find out the map where these chaps are. You know, I'm praying and I don't know where they are. Then I learned that Bhutan is near Darjeeling, North India, the Himalayan belt there. Nepal, sandwiched by Darjeeling and all these places, Sikkim and all, and then Bhutan is up there. So that's Bhutan, the Buddhist kingdom of the world. For the last three to four years, each time I interceded for the progress of the gospel, in predominantly Buddhist countries, the spirit would bring Bhutan to mind. It's the spirit that brings to mind. I will come and talk about that country again. In fact, I had to consult a world map to find out the location of that country. I say here. Yeah. I said to the class, class, please pray along with me for Bhutan. The God would be pleased to open a door for me to proclaim the good news there. In between the lectures, I spent some time reading and resting at a seminary library. A young Indian student, I told you about this Indian student, I gave him some money. He started orphanage, uh, Nandu Gurung. Probably at the time he was about 21 years old. That was his last day at the seminary. He only had two weeks' visa. In fact, he didn't register for the class. So I said, How come you appear in my class? I appear because of interest in the topic. In fact, it's his last day in the seminary. He's flying back to India already. He came to the library. He approached me and he said to me while I was just resting, Sir, I can take you to Bhutan. I just made mention of the class. I said, where's the place? Let me draw a map for you. This is Bhutan. My place in India is called Kalimpong, next to Darjeeling. From Kalimpong, two hours right, is Bhutan. I know one or two pastors there and some work there. I can take you inside there, where I stay. I'm not supposed to be in your class. I just attended your session out of interest in the topic. In fact, if you should come, I can help you to get into Nepal because I am a graduate from the Kathmandu Theological Seminary in Nepal. I am an Indian and I know Bhutanese. So you come, I take you to three countries. Have you ever heard of three-in-one instant coffee? Here you are. The Spirit does a three-in-one country through one person. Three doors were open to me simultaneously. On March 20th to 30th, 2000, I took a mad mission trip with three intercessors, elderly intercessors. And plus, five of us took to the Himalayan countries of Nepal, Bhutan, and Northeast India, Darjeeling and Kalimpong. Subsequent visits, a pastor's conference on evangelism leadership happened, lectures at the Kathmandu Theological Seminary, and further ministry trips to Bhutan followed. Today, alright, with that I'm going to close. What happened when the Spirit opens the door? As we begin to follow the leading of the Spirit and begin to speak of what God has placed on our hearts. Today, let me give you an update. As of 6th of December, in India and Bhutan, we, have, we are seeing close to 1,000 conversions, close to 500 baptisms, close to 165,000 gospel tracts being distributed and we are supporting 16 evangelists both in India and Bhutan. In Nepal... We are today supporting eight of them. About 765 conversions, 234 baptisms, 72,000 gospel tracts distributed. Can we give God a hand for this one? I must close. And thank you for listening. I could still carry on, but you will have to await the Lord's time in another time. Can we just take a few moments to pray? Would you stand? Can we pray for ourselves that as a church we don't just want to do our own thing? Mission is doing God's thing. It's not doing your own thing. That as a church God will cause us to listen to the voice of the Spirit more clearly. Let's pray. In your own hearts. Can we pray that as God's people, we will learn to keep in step with the Spirit? We don't want to be lagging behind. We don't want to be running ahead of the Spirit of God. We just want to do God's thing in God's time and serve God in our generation. Can we pray that God will give us a faith and a passion to seize the day? That the windows of opportunities... The cross-cultural people from other nations are coming to the Bahamas. That we will not just do business as usual, ministry as usual, but we are prepared to take risks to change so that more people can come to know Christ. More people can come to grow up in Christ. Can we pray that God will grow us in our prayer lives? That we will be prayerful Christians. And finally, can we pray and make a promise to God? God, if you promise to bless me, bless my family, bless my business. I promise to reinvest in your kingdom and give you all the glory. All the glory, Lord. I will not take one bit of shine from you. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for each one. Thank you for hearts that love you. Thank you for the faithful ministry of this church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And now, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the empowering presence of His Spirit go with you so that joy will increase, fruit will increase, that every day with Jesus will be sweeter and more exciting than the day before. And we pray all these things in the ever-worthy and precious name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ and God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you.